the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, which is dePietro.com. We have made it to June. It's Tuesday. It is uh, June 1st. Hope everyone had, well, that was a odd weekend, wasn't it? All the rain. My God, it was freezing out Friday to Sunday night. And even yesterday was a nice, even today's actually not very nice. But all that rain was just brutal. And uh, like everyone else, I mean, it, it really killed any type of plans. But it's still nice to have a long weekend, as uh, Vice President Kamala Harris would say. But folks, last night, in case you missed it, please go to the website, Petro.com. I was the first one there. We were on it. And that was that uh, yesterday in Providence... Uh, someone decided it was uh, early in the morning Memorial Day. So late Sunday night into Monday morning, uh, some individuals went and des- decided to desecrate and vandalize the there's a, a Veterans Memorial set up right across from the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. You have the Hasbro building. I recognize a lot of people out there, but if you go to the website, Petro.com, you can see the video. And uh, it's it's just disgraceful. And you have, you know, what's there are the names of people from Rhode Island who lost their lives in World War II, also in, in Vietnam, and then also in uh, Korea. And, um, and the problem is, first of all, they, they knew about it yesterday, and the mayor just left it up. And family members were going there and to see the names, because uh, there were names of, like I said, those that made the ultimate sacrifice in and then they're covered with graffiti. It, it just, to me, speaks to the lawlessness that goes on in the city of Providence, a mayor that doesn't get it. it and, and, you know, a lot of times, folks, the military, it goes hand in hand with the police. And if you're in a defund the police attitude and everything is negative towards law enforcement, uh, the city of Providence, after eight years, and it will be that when he's finished, he was elected in 2014, Jorge Alorza. Uh, at the end of this, it, it is a different, it's a different city, and I don't mean that in a positive way. When you have a sanctuary city, when you have lawlessness, when you have, you know, downtown Providence, and I recognize a lot of people uh, that are listening right now on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM, and you don't go down, but if you go to my website or you follow me on Facebook, you see that I cover a lot of the uh, unrest and a lot of the demonstrations, and, and the protesters, they have... They've, he's just allowed it. They've destroyed downtown Providence. Providence has still not recovered from uh, Providence should be a thriving downtown area. Could be. Was one time. It's a better city. It's a better state when it is. But a big part of that is, and this is not in any way against the police, but if you allow lawlessness, and it starts with the sanctuary city where you allow anyone to come in and you can't control who they are, and then you allow all the panhandlers. In the short time that I was there last night, you have panhandlers coming up to you. You have drug addicts walking around. You have gangs roaming the street. Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza has just turned the city of Providence into, uh, you feel like you're in a different place. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be a very, you know, livable city. It should be a very uh, safe city. It'd be an easy city, to, I think, in many ways to keep safe if you were, if that was a priority to you. But but that takes you to the level within, of course, then, they vandalize and desecrate a war, you know, a veterans mon- monument or whatever people want to call it, war monument, veterans monument. It's the names of veterans. And they also, um, and I don't know who was involved. I saw some spray paint. Uh, you don't know exactly who was involved, but they also desecrated. There were flags that were there. It was, uh, it was all initially set up. I, you know, I would think I, I, I walked through there and I've walked through there in the past. I'd like to think that they purposely maybe made it a little nice for Memorial Day. But whatever things they had there, the flags were destroyed. The uh, monuments that have the names of those who died in those wars, World War II, Korea, and also Vietnam, were uh, desecrated with spray paint. It's, it's, it's a disgrace. It's an insult. It's not only an insult to me, to the dead. It's an insult to the living, to the families uh who's you know go there to remember and it's important to remember those who have served the country who literally died serving their country but it all blends together 
you know, whether it's the first responders in our our modern day urban soldiers who are police who work to protect us and keep us safe. And then you have those who, you know, venture overseas that have done that uh, real black eye, I think, for Mayor Lorza and for the city of Providence. All right. A lot more ahead right here. By the way, go to the website to be I was the first one there. And then as the night went on, some of the local media suddenly, you know, an hour later, Channel 6 was there. And then much later, you know, 10 and 12. But I was there. I was the first one there. I'm the only one that has photos in daylight, uh, folks, because I think it's important. You you deserve it. You're entitled to it. And all some of these, you know, Mayor Lords is always big for the excuses. Oh, this is just some kids. Oh, this is knuckleheads. You know, it's always an excuse with him. You had a massive gang shootout. He says, oh, you know, the incident... Somebody brought a handgun into Providence Place Mall, some knucklehead. He's always diminishing the crime by trying to make it as if, you know, somebody showed up chewing gum late for detention. Uh, Handguns, gang shootouts, desecration of uh, war monuments. It all adds up after a while. All right, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. It's spring and time to call J. Cannell Engineering today at 401 401- 351-7600. J. Cal Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, pretty soon it'll be warm. It'll be hot. Why not have central air for your home? Call J. Cal Engineering today, 401-351-7600. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. In the wintertime, JKL, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's going to be a hot summer called J.K.L. Engineering today. Be nice and cool in your home this summer. Call J.K.L. 401-351-7600. For 54 years, J.K.L.'s reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. J.K.L., they do it right. They do it right the first time. They're an approved National Grid VPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today for Light for Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401 351 7600. 401 351 7600. It's JKL Engineering. The John DeVitro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is DeVitro.com. Time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor for AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, let's start off uh, by all accounts, pretty early jumping into the race 
let's talk about the race. This is for governor 2022. You know, as I think of it, you could actually still jump into the race one year from now and still have uh, meet the deadline. But anyhow, Secretary of State Nellie Gorbia jumps in. Um, I, I was very surprised. I actually caught Lively Experiment and former my former colleague, and she also writes for the Valley Breeze and uh, former Attorney General Arlene Violet was saying, well, you know, Nellie Gorbia has done a great job and she's a formidable candidate. I have no idea what she's talking about. Um, I want to hear your thought. I mean, they're saying that basically she needed to let people know that she's running. And already people are saying it's kind of two-way race between Dan McKee, the governor now, and also Seth Magaziner. But let's talk a little bit about Secretary of State Nellie Gobia. No, no big press or anything. Just sent out a video. By the way, they kind of screwed it up at least the night before. Uh, but the, in fact, the Secretary of State, who's term limited out, is running for governor. Well, I think the, I mean, the obvious thing that a lot of people are saying is she's, it's a money play. You know, she's, if she's declared, she can really collect more money. And she's third behind um, Magaziner and Alorza in a money race. And with McKee being the incumbent, people expect his, his fundraising will, will quickly increase. I suspect that's some of it. And it, it also allowed her to get out early with some national attention as the quote, first Latina uh, candidate for governor in New England. So it starts to get her some attention that way as well. Um, I think mainly, though, it's it's probably, it's almost, it's sort of like what a conservative Republican should start doing more often is just kind of giving yourself all kinds of room to get people sure. comfortable with the idea that you are yeah. a candidate for governor. And obviously, yeah. Secretary of State doesn't give her a whole lot of opportunity to, especially in non-election years, to get news and be in the new news. But if she declares as a candidate for office, that gives her a little bit more. And I think, I mean, it, it's kind of, it seems pretty clear where her attentions are. I mean, her, her campaign video, it's almost like a uh, a testimonial video of, of friends of hers who say she did a great job, you know, like a carpenter. My he did a great job on my deck, you know. It was, it was almost those kind of comments, um, and I think that's that's her target is the the people who pay a lot of attention who watch a three to four minute testimonial video and are probably more like the donors that kind of person. I suspect that's her thinking, although it it really does feel awfully early. So it's probably just an excuse to get get herself in the news for the next year what type of candidate do you think she is i mean she she's now in the second term of being secretary of state uh, in rhode island this is her second term so she's won the election twice uh, i can't point to any great accomplishments obviously i'm very critical of to me she is what i in my opinion has completely undermined the democrat process she uh she's the one that made the decision to hide the birthdays so the voter rolls are bloated i for the life of me justin i don't understand these people it's like the honor system they take her word for it that that everything's above board and everything's going great um i i i can't name any any accomplishments i think she's very weak on the stump um i i just don't know what she stands for i mean she i think she said affordable housing that has nothing to do with the Secretary of State's office. I don't know what her beliefs are. I don't know what her passions are. Um, I don't view her as a very strong, great leader. I think she's someone that got into the office, has been able to manipulate or hold on to it. But I, 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 I am missing the, the point of people like an Arlene Violet that are saying that she's a formidable candidate and she's done a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure myself. I, some of it, it almost feels as if she's deliberately vague. You know, she she's kind of understood to be progressive somehow, uh, yet she tries. She kind of portrays this this persona as at least in temperament, kind of moderate. Uh, her video talks about small businesses, so I, it's almost like she's trying to float in there without actually defining herself, as if you know, just to she can get by on the the Latina. Uh, the Democrat Latina thing, and that'll 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 vouch for her progressivism, I guess. Um, it's so it is it is hard to know. You could see she would be a stronger candidate in a race where the incumbent and or the other uh, opponents were kind of out there or unique and strange. I don't see her her value proposition versus a a Dan McKee who's 
trying to play up to uh, progressives ball is also known known to be somewhat moderate and, and competent. Uh, he's got a lot more credentials in that regard. So I'm not sure what her value proposition is against that, except the Latina thing, which it's notable. I mean, I've certainly noticed that Dan McKee is bringing Sabina Matos everywhere he goes. Yes. I, I'm not sure if he brings her home to dinner or, or to the bathroom, but but every, every event she's there, which is arguably a good thing to have a lieutenant governor who's on top of everything with the governor during times yeah, it's more of, of a team pandemics. approach exactly yeah. but it's it's not what we're used to seeing and it's not no. how our elections work in rhode island so so it, it that makes it conspicuous and i think that's that's a big part of it is he's he's trying to unite the image of the latina woman with himself to kind of decrease that power for an gorbea but also probably for alorza as well yeah and i i actually give him credit for it it's different uh, it's yeah. a different dynamic. And then the others, then when you see like him and Matos there and then they have their staff around them, they, they, they present themselves to me anyway, is they're like a full team. Whereas then when you see just like Nelly Gobia standing there, it almost kind of seems just kind of like a lone wolf type of thing. What do you make of uh, Justin Katz right now, the race for governor? Um, let's go on both sides. I mean, Dan McKee, by all accounts, uh, by by virtue of taking over the remaining part of the term for Gina Raimondo. He is the front runner. Uh, Magaziner is trying to hold some kind of a COVID briefing, but uh, the only thing you hear about him is his ability to raise money. He's another one. I mean, I guess he's done a, a pretty good job with the investments, but what, let's once again break out. I, for some reason, it just seems it's one, two, three, four is uh, McKee, Magaziner, I guess her, Nelly Gobia, and then Alorza. I, I, don't, I don't see anything that might change that dynamic i know some people are throwing out that maybe someone else is going to jump in i don't think so i'm not hearing anything like that uh joe paolino i think has made it clear that dan mckee kind of checks the boxes that he would be interested in so i don't see someone like him jumping in patrick lynch always just floats that out just because that's worth a favor that's worth someone calling him saying you know hey can i buy you a cup of coffee and you know, are you really thinking about it? Well, I don't know, you know, make it worth my while not to run. But um, what, what is your view on the four of them right now? Well, I, I think McKee has clearly made the strategic uh, plan to to kind of kowtow to progressives to get through that primary. And because most people who might challenge him, like a Joe Paolino, kind of have a lot of experience with McKee, knowing that he in a state, knowing he is... Yeah, reasonable he's run a city a town yeah. he's been a businessman he is a moderate democrat he's a, yeah. he's a charter school guy school choice yeah. uh so i mean that is who he is but he, so he's playing up to the progressives and i think politically that may prove to be a smart decision because he's you know he, he's kind of defined that now you can't really get to the right of him like a paleno is not going to try to sneak in there and try to get to the left uh, a lot of progressives are going to look at him and say look we've been getting everything we wanted from this guy uh and for conservatives or moderates it's going to be at least among democrats it's going to be well where do we go from where do we go um unless there were a strong republican who was going to jump in a race which i just don't see anybody on the landscape right now who would be who would be in the running in that regard at this point uh so he's got a pretty clear path forward um unless he just really the bending to the progressives really upsets moderates or something that i guess could happen in a year um that magaziner i i'm not sure like you i'm not sure what his real promise is i mean he's been the treasurer during a time when basically the federal government through monetary policies inflating the market. So it hasn't been too difficult for him to right. claim good point. Um, to claim good pension returns. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. I mean, he's pushed some policies that are kind of outside of his, his wheelhouse as treasurer, you know, funding for school buildings and that kind of thing. Um, but he's, he's just kind of the, the establishment progressive. I mean, going back to his father, you, you know, they're just this, he's part of that national group, which might explain, his high fundraising, but, but at the same time, he's another white guy. So I, I don't know that that's going to be a challenge for him. He can't, and he, you know, being a treasurer, isn't like being a, a mayor of a city or town. He's, it's not a, a show of administrative competence at best. It's, it's investment competence, which isn't a qualification for a governor. So he doesn't really have that box to check. Uh, and I, but I think you've got the order, right. Then there's Gorbea. We, we just discussed kind of hard to, 
kind of hard to see what her proposition value is in that field unless she's going to really define herself somewhere and just find that unique attribute other than her demographic qualities. And then Alorza, I mean, he he could be formidable. I mean, he's a mayor, hasn't had any, I mean, schools aside, I mean, it's not as if the city's burning down. Well, I, you know, actually it kind of is. So I'm not sure about his value proposition would be himself. I mean, he does, he hasn't been a great mayor and he he's upset. I mean, if you look at the schools, it kind of illustrates his conundrum, his challenge. Uh, when the state took over, they kind of made him gave took away any political advantage he might have from any of the situation he can't please people for being the guy who tried to fix the schools he can't please the unions because he hadn't he was in there long enough upsetting them so he's i think that's pretty emblematic for alorza so he's he's kind of in my view at the back of the pack just because he, he really hasn't done anything and he hasn't really been able to capture that competent administrator at the, at the same time extremely progressive which is probably what he's going for um unfortunately it, it's kind of an oxymoron to be a a progressive competent administrator so um so that was kind of a losing strategy from the get-go but uh he hasn't really pulled it off at all yeah i want to wait to see if he actually does enter the race um there's some winnable races i'm not sure that's the right one for him folks we're going to take a quick break a lot more our segment politics this week justin katz managing editor for anchorising.com right here on the john DePietro show Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega M-E-G-A, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. F-H-W-A inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401 401- 439-6028 fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist yankee tree service they provide various tree services including tree removal pruning land clearing stump grinding and bobcat service check out their website yankeetreeservice.com whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding yankee tree service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps tree pruning you know many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down the licensed arborists with yankee tree service they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree emergency service or bucket truck service they'll get up in the bucket call yankee tree service today for a free quote 401-439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorizing.com. Justin, let's stay with the race for governor for a moment. You know, it is frightening. And and I, I know this, may, I'm sure this seems unfair to the current group that are running the Republican Party, but you got to look at the calendar. The last time a Republican won statewide was 2006, and that was Don Kachiri won his second term. 
in 2010, you would Robitaille Victor Moffat in the primary. Robitaille won. If Ken Block had not run, John Robitaille, he lost by two points to Link Chafee, would have been the governor in 2010. 2014, you had the faceoff. Ken Block ran as a Republican this time, lost in the primary to Alan Funk. And then think of this, four years ago, or almost, you had three in the uh, Republican primary, and then you had Trillo run independent. Uh, Alan Funk, who was a, had been a Republican, Alan Funk, Patricia Morgan, and Gianni Ferrosi. Justin Katz, I, I am not hearing right now of anyone. Alan Fung is not running for governor. Ken Block has said he's not running for governor. I, I, I don't think, and I, I mean, I just don't remember it this bad, but I, I don't think the Republicans have anyone right now to run for governor. It was John Robitaille, it would seem a little odd because he had not held statewide office before, but it didn't seem to matter. But what, what are your thoughts on the fact the Republican Party does not have a candidate for governor right now. Yeah, it's a. It makes me think of some years years ago. I think it was when before Don Kucheri's second term was over. I was at a Republican gathering and, and Alan Fung was there, and I suggested the Republicans ought to just skip the race and uh, for governor and focus on other things. Uh, and he was kind of taken aback of that. I think they might be in that position now. It's it's really hard to see who could come forward you know, and step forward. I mean, Don Carcieri, when he first ran, was an unknown. And so he he was out there pretty early. I don't remember how early, but um, he was out there pretty early with commercials, especially just saying, hi, Rhode Island. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, one of your neighbors and I'm running for yeah. governor. So it was kind of a, he had that, he, he worked that up. So there could be somebody out there, although the- There's nobody uh, out there. Yeah, at this point- I I'm mean, just telling you, there's nobody out there. <laughs> Well, okay, but but I, I think we would know if there's someone out there. Yeah, no, I, I'm I, telling you, there's no one out there. Yeah, well, I think the problem with is that you get a lot of folks who are, um, a lot of people are just bought into the system, so they're on, you know, say, the Commerce Corporation or something, and so they're considered respectable insiders, and they're not going to challenge the status quo. And then if you look, even the business community at least nationwide, I'm sure in Rhode Island too, is no longer really a, a someplace that might produce a surprise conservative governor. They're, they're pretty woke at this point. So it's just, it does seem pretty, pretty much like a, an empty field on the, on the Republican side. And so that leaves them running somebody just to run somebody, which I'm never a fan of because then you're just reinforcing how, how impotent you are as a political party. So better in my view, just to, cut your losses and say we're focusing elsewhere and any anybody we can get who's any good we want to run for general assembly or mayor or town council or something like that uh which is really the point the republicans have been at for for a long time uh and i so i, I think I, I would almost say for for 10 years anyway they they've been focusing too high up on the ladder and should have been building the farm team way down yeah you know it's hard because then people come out of the box and then their first race they run is for governor or, uh, you know, Congress. You, or something like that. But, you know, I, I'm going to be a little redundant. And, and I know this is going to seem unfair to the current head of the Republican Party. But I, I mean, there there is a voting problem in the state. And unless that is straightened out, I believe that's a huge part of it. It's because, you know, Alan Fung twice ran for governor. He ran great races and across the state did well. But then he gets just crushed in Providence. And I don't believe the vote is 100% legitimate in Providence. And in, in Providence, it's going to be, it, it's really almost impossible to win a statewide office because then the Providence vote comes in, which I, I am telling you, I don't believe it's legitimate. Um, and that just blows the person out of the water. And you see it repeatedly. And I call it to people that will listen. I call it, it there's a hole in the boat until you fix the hole in the boat. It doesn't matter if you paint it. It doesn't matter if you fix the sail, change the new name, add some seat cushions, whatever you want to do. But until you fix that hole in the boat, which I believe there's a voting problem, there's a problem with the ballots, the way that the voter rolls, uh, the way now ballots are, are collected, these drop boxes, until that is corrected, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are just saying, what's the point? What's the point? You know, Bob Flanders, he good candidate, tried hard against Sheldon Whitehouse, but, you know, he, he, he got crushed in, uh, in 2018. And then, you know, Alan Fung, I he had run a good race and then they had several people, but I think that's 
really what it, it comes down to. And so, therefore, I think if there's one office that they should go after, I believe it should be the Secretary of State because somebody needs to go in and get this thing back on track. Because think about it, Justin, 2006 was the last time someone won statewide, and that was only Governor Kachiri barely eked out a victory over Charlie Fogarty for his second term. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a the Secretary of State's office would be a, a good addition oh, to the to the the other effort, which has to be grassroots. And I, I think if you ha- if they if they really focused on building up their their city and town um, committees and their their local races, that would help them not only start to build a farm team and have some victories on the board, uh, start to identify people, but it would also at that level, you can keep you can start to try to keep an eye on the actual elections, uh, and you'll start to really spot funny business going on. And then in Providence, they can you know you can they could start to chip away at at the the really one sided nature of it at least politically. If there's if there's ballot if there's ballot box stuffing, there's there's only so much you can do about that. But but if you if you don't have any support in the area, nobody's going to question it anyway. But if you start to build up that local support in a place like Providence, and it's possible with Providence schools in the state they're in, a lot of stuff we're seeing nationally, people starting to break away a bit and question uh, the how far left the Democrats are going and whether they're they're getting what their what their demographic group was promised for decades. I think there's an opportunity there if to just really show up and start uh, becoming involved at that level in Providence could start to, you know, even if you just start to notch that support for, for the Republicans up a little bit in the urban area, then you, you start to get new opportunities. You start to see things you didn't see before people who can actually start to spot some of the fraud. I think that's, so I think that focus on the grassroots and then with the secretary of state would be, would be a, about as, as, potent a combination as the Republicans could, could muster at this point. Yeah, I, I think they should uh, really push hard uh, in the remaining elements of this session to um, what's left of it, but to try to eliminate ballot harvesting and also get rid of those drop boxes. There's no need. We, we have mailboxes. You don't need these special drop boxes. They're, they're, uh, they're not secure. Somebody can go and literally drop 1,000 ballots in there. There's no one to monitor it. Uh, I don't even know where it came from. I don't know why we need these drop boxes. You know, they even have the drop boxes on Election Day. If on Election Day you're in town and you can go to a drop box, why can't you just go to your poll and vote? Like none of it makes sense to me how we got so far away from just traditional voting. Um, I think something drastic needs to be done. I don't think they're on the path to success right now. They seem to be doing things the way they've always done it. And that is not a, um, it's just not a path for victory. Uh, the, the Democrat party has evolved and they've moved much more into ballot harvesting, uh, mail ballots, early voting, um, obviously registering people to vote. Uh, the Republican party, unfortunately seemed to be a step behind I think a danger with the Republican Party is, is last November, there were three different people I know who were, were good candidates, and they worked. They worked it hard. They put a lot into it, and they all lost, and they all said, never again. I'm not, I'm not going. They're not returning saying, I'm anxious to get another shot at it. Um, that's a problem. That's a problem because you get people that go you know, with the best of intentions and put – a lot of time into it and gave up their spring and summer and fall and, and did everything possible they could. And then felt that they kind of got a short end of the stick with, again, this time it was with the mail ballots inside of those uh, uh, nursing homes in assisted living centers. Folks, another quick break, a lot more politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com right here on the John DePietro show. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 
272 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle, whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle? West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Spring is here. Time to contact Bethel Certified Softwash. You can text Jared a free estimate at 401-617-2585. Bethel Certified Softwash. They have a great website. It's rhodeislandsoftwashing.com. Outside your home. Let's get rid of the grime and the stains, maybe some of that that green algae and moss and mildew that build up over the course of the winter. Call Bethel Certified Soft Wash today. Again, outside your restaurant or your home or a roof or a deck or a patio or a walkway, it's Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Remember, it's biodegradable. It's plant safe. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L. Their Facebook page, the before and after, are just tremendous. Contact them today for a free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585, 401-617-2585. Again, remember, they have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftWashing.com, Bethel Certified Soft Wash and Power Wash. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, who's the managing editor for AnchorRising.com. Justin, let me ask a question. Uh, They're not the first ones that have ever done this, but I did hear from a number of people that were upset. Speaker Joe Sakachi had a fundraiser last week, and the Providence Journal reported that seen at the fundraiser were former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, and it happened to be his, his bride, his wife. Um, and that is uh, a freshman representative, Barbara Ann Fenton Fung. I remember Bob Watson used to go, you know, I think it was either whether it was Gordon Fox or Bill Murphy or Harwood having the, the fundraisers. I'm, I heard from a number of people who were Trump people that they were upset by that. They don't like that. I, by the way, I did not hear about Blake Filippi there. It could have been. I didn't hear about it. I didn't hear about Chippendale. I didn't hear about uh, Newberry. But what is your thought on, in this case, it was the Fungs uh, there at the fundraiser for the speaker? Well, I think it's helpful. Go ahead. Well, I I think it's helpful you raised Bob Watson. I mean, it's one thing for Bob Watson to do it. I mean, he was a majority leader at the time, fiery speaker, always up articulating the conservative view on just about every bill, Uh, definitely known to be a, a you know, a conservative Republican, at least by Rhode Island standards. So if he goes to a fundraiser for the speaker, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I'll mark you down by one point, but you don't put it well otherwise. The, for Fenton Fung, I, I don't know if it's tone deafness, they haven't, or they haven't acknowledged reality, or they're not, they're actually on their way out of the Republican Party. It's hard to understand why they wouldn't see the problem here, unless they just, they didn't think they'd get caught until somebody until Jeff Britt told somebody that he saw the funds there. Uh, so I, I, I want, because at this point, it's not just people like me and you saying, well, what's up with Barbara Ann Fenton Fung voting for every progressive measure and, and even yeah. putting in some herself. It's, it's now, you know, letters to the editor in their local paper saying this lady's not a Republican. I mean, that's kind of maybe think twice, you know, while, while you're, while you're tightening your tie, Alan Fung, at, at your office or in your home before you go off to this Joe Shikarji fundraiser, maybe ask yourself, how is this going to look to your base, your supposed base of support? So I, th- I think she's, she's really building a narrative um, that's, that's not going to help her get reelected if that's her goal, at least as a Republican. And, and 
whatever his I don't know what his plans are, but if they're if they're they're at all political and in the Republican Party, he's he's got the same problem as well. Although I I suspect he's got his sights elsewhere. You know, it's interesting because the whole element of the bipartisanship, I, I don't see or hear, I should say, of the leadership or the progressives in any way trying to work or support a bill that any of the Republicans have put forward. She even broke off on the Black Lives Matter thing. She is not caucusing with the Republicans. Uh, that really rubbed people the wrong way. Now, Crean uh, said former Mayor Funk, he's out of office. He's an attorney. So, you know, he's certainly free to go. And he could say, well, you know, my wife wanted to go, but or maybe she was accompanying him. But it, it wasn't lost on people um, that they were there. And Matty, you know, Mattiello was there, but he's ready to be a lobbyist. But, Justin, you know, I think you're right. It certainly comes off that there's the insiders that all just want their peace and they're all just kind of laughing along and uh, and certainly not doing the you know what's right for the people. And then there's everybody else that's, you know, fighting to try to get things done, you know, that, that, that are right, that are the right path, that's right for the taxpayers. And um, you're right about the tone deafness like that. I, I don't I certainly don't think it's a good look. I didn't see anyone with a photo of it, but uh, but you're right. It was reported that, that they were there. Now, speaking of Speaker Sakachi, I am this. These are my words. And again, folks, our segment is, is politics this week with uh, John DePietro and Justin Katz. These are my words. I'm saying that that was arson on the office of the speaker. Uh, none of this has made sense. Where and, and, and I have it up on the website, and some people don't like it, but, you know, anyone that was fully paying attention, there was some contentious issues leading into, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a law office, you know, doesn't just catch on fire, but I mean, was a three-alarm, burned to the ground, I know someone that was there that said that dog they brought, they didn't even bring the dog inside to where the fire had been. The dog just went like on the outskirt. The day of the, the day after, the fire was on a Tuesday night. And then the day after, the fire marshal showed up on site and told Channel 12, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to figure out what happened here. And sure enough, he was right. Um, Justin Katz, in the investigation, they did not rule out arson. I, I, am, I am telling you, there's no way that that was an accidental fire. If it was electrical, they would have known. But what what is your thought on? I will say this: there's a media hesitancy, hesitancy, excuse me, to uh, to go down that road and think, huh? Maybe somebody was trying to send a message that did set the speaker's law office on fire. Well, it, it certainly is suspicious. I mean, we don't get a whole lot. It's not like when we were kids when, you know, right. every now and then a house on your block would just burst into flames from electrical fires. I mean, and that wasn't even that long ago, but but things have improved a lot since then, especially with our ridiculous fire codes in, in Rhode Island. So you don't get a lot of electrical fires. And the idea that you would happen to get one in the speaker's off or in the, the building that your speaker's law office, is law in, office happens yeah. to be on his side of the law office <laughs> a building, you know, that just, it seems kind of coincidental. And so I think it, and then when, as you say, the, the fire marshal comes out and says, well, there's, it didn't start from the outside and there's, we don't know <laughs> if somebody could have gotten in there. The door was unlocked, but uh, we have no idea. Uh, I mean, it does. No, you, you kind of, that's not good enough. <laughs> you have to figure this out. You have to, you have to really be, bringing peace to people's minds. And in fact, um, at this point, I just saw, and I put it up on Anchorizing today, there's actually a, um, a it's sort of an Antifa type website with, with news from around the world of insurgencies. And somebody anonymously posted there that they set the speaker's office on fire. Oh, wow. Um, in protest of his law office uh, helping landlords evict people during during COVID. So now they've threatened to do more. So I guess, well, if we start to see more law offers burst into flames, we'll have a, an idea that that was actually truthful and not just a, a wannabe terrorist making public commentary. But so there are, there are, I guess you'd call them terrorist groups taking credit for it, whether it's fanciful or not, I don't know, but it does show you how ripe uh, it is for that kind of speculation. And that's, that's why they, they, you really can't say we're, we're done investigating at this point. There's, there's just got to be somebody saw something or we were just going to keep looking or you can't have the Speaker of the House's law office bursting into flames in mysterious circumstances and, and just kind of laugh it off. Yeah, think of it. He's the most powerful person in the state. There's no way, I believe, out of nowhere, poof, at night, 
uh, out of nowhere, suddenly his law office catch, not only catches fire, but it's a raging fire, basically is uh, ruined yeah. and burns to the ground. Send me the link on that, just in the uh, Antifa taking credit. I'd be curious to post that. And then finally, just so we we understand this situation with uh, Education Commissioner Angelica and, Tom, and, and Fonte Green, it was actually two years ago in May that the John Hopkins report came out. It's over two years now. Then the Wall Street Journal came out with the education horror show nightmare and you know delay as we've talked about delay 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 now the last we heard was back in march it was dan mcgowan that reported that they were in separate rooms with the negotiations because they brought in former justice frank frank flaherty now i've heard since then that that actually is not that unusual that then they go off into different rooms and he he physically has to walk back and forth from one room to the next things he's going back and forth. But it was reported late Friday that the education commissioner has been removed from the negotiations uh, regarding the Providence schools and the state. What is your takeaway on that? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, for, for, she'll obviously be involved and she'll obviously have a say in it. Um, and some, sometimes you will mix up your negotiations just because the personalities aren't, getting you where you need to be or what have you. It is, I mean, with the timing with, uh, I, I always get his name, Harrison Peters, yeah. um, just resigning that timing. And that we know the unions are push, we're pushing kind of to st stain Infante Green with that uh, brush as well. So the timing is conspicuous. One thing that I, does, does seem plausible to me the governor's office they've put their uh, deputy chief of chief of staff in charge and that's of the negotiations and that's not replacing infante green but uh, a lawyer from from a, a local law firm who was the lead negotiator they did place him there saying we wanted to be closer to the governor which does to me make a lot of sense uh and and i can see maybe in the past year and a half two years raimondo wanting actually telling Infante Green, you're in there. I don't want to be, near, I, I want to be an arm's distance from this so I can impress the Biden people. So you, you, you could see this being a change in that direction. It just has unfortunate timing. So I, I could kind of go either way, uh, but it does, I mean, at this point, you know, I, I read the articles about these, these negotiations and I just wonder, you know, if, if I, I mean, I'm not even a, a Providence parent, but if I were, I'd, you, don't even talk to me about yeah. who's in a negotiation room. Just shut this down. Yes. Fix the thing. Kids yeah. are suffering. I mean, last week, uh, I put up a post on Anchorizing about uh, the national report card standardized test, the NAEPs, and Rhode Island is going downhill, and this is pre-COVID, so you know it's been worse. We're, huh. So we're, we're no longer just middle of the pack, which we shouldn't be, given all the money we spend per student, which is these top 10 of the nation. Uh, we're actually now drifting below, significantly below the United States average on these tests, reading and writing, that's just not acceptable. Yeah. And the idea that we're caught up for two years in this, like, oh, well, we'll change who's in a negotiation room. No, <laughs> just you know, metaphorically burn it down. <laughs> just as I think even Alorza has said, you've just got to break the contract. There's, yes. no, there's no mystery to this. We know yeah. what has to happen. Stop. And what's a waste is they can end up in court anyway. I don't know why they weren't in court two years ago. Like this is insanity. They're not trying to fix it. They're just trying to wait her out. You know, Justin, I could go either way. I could say, you know, it's occupying a lot of her time. There's other times she could be doing other things. Like, what is the point that twice a week her and Harrison Peters would have to go there and sit there and this back and forth? Mm. It's really simple. The union does not want to give up control. This is about who, you know, they still want to hold on to uh, seniority, get the, you know, the job openings, go to seniority. Um, this, this whole business of how it was presented is we want to be part of the solution, everybody together. Justin, let's face it, they've lost all momentum that they had from two years ago. And now it's like delay, 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 block, block, and they just try to frustrate her and run her out of town. That's what's yeah, but, going on. It but is. they really, I mean, you make a good point that she, this could free up some time for her. And if that's the case, what she ought to be doing is going out there and getting some other Johns Hopkins type organization to do an update uh, so that she can ram right back in there with a new report talking about how how hard the these students have been hit by covid and how they, they were already doing badly a new she at this point they need a new catalyst of course 
we're running into the political problem that McKee yeah. doesn't want to fight the unions right now. Right. He, so, and COVID's so an he's, excuse. COVID's an yeah, excuse, you know. Definitely. But, I, I, you know, back when it first happened, and I, I also want to say you and I, we're kind of in the minority of saying don't fall for this where they bring out the photos. Here's a broken chair. Look at the tile. And then some of the media going along with them. Look at this. They won't even let us into the school. And da da da. And this whole big deal. It's all just talk. The, the best thing, someone that had been intricately involved with that told me, never listen to what they say. Always just judge on actions because they talk and talk but you have to judge this thing on the actions. And let's face it, nothing has been done. They took the no confidence vote. The, the union, they're not part of the problem. To me, they are the problem. They do not want to give up the control. And now I, I don't see where this is going to go. If it's going to go to court, it should have gone to court two years ago. Instead, they've just been dragging this out. Yeah, Folks, absolutely. again, he is the uh, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, send me that link on the Atifa thing. I do want to see that. we Will do. We'll Folks, do. right here on the John DePietro Show. Justin, great job. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. I look forward to it. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA, Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies, you can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401 431-2300. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Brothers Disposal. Call Brother Roland today, now offering weekly trash collection services. Brothers Disposal. Look for them on Facebook. They have those purple dumpsters, and the Facebook page stands out, purple and yellow, Brothers Disposal, again, offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate, 401-688-0517, 401-688-0517. Come on, brother, call Brothers Disposal today. Put a purple dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're doing some spring cleaning, or maybe you want to clean out that basement, the garage, the attic. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven, and remember, now offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate. It's Brothers Disposal four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven.